It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Ears Up Podcast coming at you from beautiful Oakley, California. In case you don't know where that is, that's somewhere far away from any place <laughs> that is else. probably culturally relevant. Pretty much. But we're here. What are we, an hour from San Francisco now? Something like that. Uh, no, we were like 45 minutes before. We were like an hour 10 okay. from San Francisco. It's not like we go there, so it doesn't matter, but... Yeah. So uh, anyway, here is the show for you guys today. Taryn is going to talk to you about the history of the Walt Disney Company, part four. Part four. Yes. And I will tell you right now, there's already going to be a part five. Nice. But I think five is going to be it. I think five will get us current. Because Disney will be defunct at that point, <laughs> so there's no more history, so it's fine. I do have the inside scoop. Uh, sell all your stocks. Oh, shoot. Here we <laughs> go. For, for free. It's a sell-off. Man, I saw this in doing prep for We're going to have Disney news, by the way. Um, in prep for that, I, I see these articles all the time. I, honestly, not all the time. I lied. It was an exaggeration, <laughs> folks. Um, sometimes, of like, if you had invested $1,000 in Disney stock 10 years ago, here's what you would have been worth now. Why? Why is yeah. this new? Why is math suddenly news? Here, a news reporter at CBS.com can right. can do math, and uh, and and write a couple paragraphs on the fact that he did said math, and then that's 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 a deadline. You can turn that into your editor and like <laughs> skate home for the next couple of days because you have no more work because you did an article. Well, that's true. I think what offends me. Well, that You're offends. Offended. I don't know. I guess I'm not really, but that's that to me is offensive because it's not like I could go back in time and do it. I have like no recollection of like what that would have been like. If I could turn back time. Okay. The the weird thing is we talked about that a little bit beforehand and it kind of ties into what Taryn just said because I thought Terrence thinks. All right. (laughs) I was like, I wonder if at some point in the future we're we're going to invent time, uh, time travel and we'll find out that all the rich people like in our time frame right now, <laughs> we're actually people who time traveled oh, back and right. had information and became rich. And then I started thinking, what is special about a time machine? Like if I wrote down in 1985 by mm-hmm. Apple stock, what's so special about a time machine that like the ink, like my writing wouldn't disappear from that piece of paper as I travel, travel back in time? And so I started thinking about that and I was like, yeah, I need to stop. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like I like this train of thinking. I've been watching Doctor Who mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, I never I, I tried watching it before. I didn't like it, and I tried again, and then I kind of got into it. And now I'm really into it, and so I could see I could see that happening now. Yeah, see, I'm telling you, we're gonna find out, man. But like articles like that that are okay with me are the ones about like Bitcoin. Cause it's like, that was right. only a couple years ago. Like I made the sense. mistake of not buying a Bitcoin when it was $3. Well, F- uh, 50 cent is now a Bitcoin millionaire. Yeah. Dude who's just went bankrupt is now a millionaire. T- today. Yeah, today. Right. Today he is. Yes. Right. <laughs> Tomorrow he'll be something else entirely. He'll be 25 cents. What do you do with yeah. Bitcoins? Do you sell them? Is it like, st- I mean, what do you do? It's currency. Like, yeah. like if I had three but Bitcoins, what would I do with them right now? You buy, you, you can buy things in increments. And that's so, it? Yeah. So like fractions of a Bitcoin 
Bitcoin are worth X amount of dollars, whatever it is. So you can buy something with mm-hmm. like point zero one six of a Bitcoin. Can you buy like a Tesla online? Um, not all merchants take right. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Google.com. I don't know, man. Hmm. I don't know. Just what am curious. I? A tech, a tech man? Tech man <laughs> over here? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, Bitcoin is weird. Uh, but it, the weird thing is it's taxed as property. It's not income. So you kind of pay oh, a lot so of taxes to, on it. Oh, you do. Oh, yeah. It's but it, like it's it's not it's, it's not subject subject to like income tax huh. or or any sort of like paper like money monetary wealth. It's 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 like property, and I don't know the tax implications, but they're not. It's kind of like fuzzy. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> you can uh, buy a Subway sandwich. With Bitcoin, with Bitcoin. I, dude, I want to start taking Bitcoin like on our Etsy page. Yeah, I want to start taking Bitcoin because who who know who cares? Right. I guess. You give me give me a tenth of a fraction of a percentage of a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Exactly, sure. Buddy. It's an investment, I guess, in my future. Well, enough of those, and maybe we'll have a whole Bitcoin. Maybe yep. someday we'll be rich. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows, man? But that cryptocurrency thing—it's like it's already tanking, and uh, you know, some there's like a hundred other cryptocurrencies out there, hmm. and you you can crypto invest in currency. That's what it's called, yeah. Like tales from the cryptocurrency. Anybody notice the quiet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I got that. All right. um, he still love that show though. Yeah, Bitcoin's weird, good. man. Bitcoin is uh, strange. Uh, anyway, before we get to our uh, our John, whatever we're doing today. <laughs> wow, you haven't used that in a while. Dude? I know. You I lost know. it a little bit. Uh, we are on iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Radio Stitcher. Also, uh, we're on SpectraRadio.us, in case you guys didn't know that. So check that out, too. Uh, but do us a favor. Go, uh, go and rate us on iTunes and then share us with the world, with your friends who like greater podcasts and uh, just kind of anybody in general. But uh, rating us on iTunes, I, th- I think, helps. I know it doesn't hurt. So if you have a second, that would be cool. Also, I'll, I'll tell you what I do is I steal people's iPhones, like people that I know, <laughs> and then I subscribe to all podcasts that I'm on and the ones that I like, and then I give it back to them, and they don't know it. So just do that. It'll help us somehow. It'll be great. It'll be great. This whole this whole like guerrilla marketing scheme is no, finally going to pay off. Yeah. Steal phones. It's normal, it's, Subscribe. No, I know. It's Profit. not organic anymore. Now it's no. More very, beyond or, organic. Yes. Yeah. See, speaking of going back in time, I would go back in time when you could mine for Bitcoin on your just personal PC. But now you need like Huh. Liquid cooling, because it's such a, a a heavy load on on the the PC on the processors that it's just it's overheating. What? You can't just do it on your yeah. That's how it is. The blockchain thing where like you you're you put your computer processing power to work for you, and somehow you solve problems or you do something on the internet and it just does it in the background. But it's such a heavy processing like power that it takes a lot of a computer. To, and then that's how you get anyway I, I don't know huh. it's a whole thing man. dude look it up if you ever want to know like the history of Bitcoin because I think what happens I don't know I think there's like a certain number of Bitcoin out there okay and then you mine for it that's weird so they have like Bitcoin mining farms of course in China it really is like a commodity it's, it, it is yes I guess so like I really thought it was just like the way that I you know I have twenty dollars in the bank it's not really you know it's no. fake it's fake money right. that's what I thought it was yeah. it's just digital like number, yeah. A di- yeah exactly a digital number no it's a it's a it's actually really fascinating weird um second of all I read a thing where uh, the 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 way to tell that that there's hasn't been time travel um, invented is oh. that we don't know about it yet so if you think about it the moment you know that time travel has been invented, at some point it has been, in, it would be, have been invented before or, or uh, like that time where like space time is 
can kind of run congruent to whatever you're doing mm-hmm. now. So like if it's if you know about it, then okay. But you're talking about if it's on a, a mass scale. No, if if I, I guess the point is if time travel had been invented, everybody w- we would know about it. No, not necessarily. Totally. Something, no. The human the human mind. So to use your example, and then look, we'll talk about this on the secret show. Let's okay. do that. Okay. Okay. Forty eight minutes into the show. And okay. And we haven't talked about anything. Yet. No, okay. we haven't talked about anything. Uh, we are on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Uh, any feedback on the show that goes to Taryn at EarsUp-Podcast.com. Any compliments or, I should change that, to um, guest suggestions Absolutely. or topic suggestions. Yeah. And thanks, Jimmy Hunt, by the way, for the suggestions. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, he did something? Oh, he did a lot. Nice. Yeah. Um, good sug- cat, that one. Just yeah, I like him. Jins. He's a cat. And he gave me good beer. Yes. Oh. Uh, you can say hi, hi to Bev. And anything else comes to me, Jason, at earsup-podcast.com. Don't forget, we do have a, a blog on our earsup-podcast.com. You can support us on the blog via our Amazon link there. We take reoccurring donations via PayPal. Uh, you can shop uh, for Coveyers and Churro shirts. The only Churro Castle shirt out there in existence that is... Um, Legally owned by us. That is our. That's our design. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Don't buy a. Don't buy a churro shirt from anybody else other than Ears Up Podcast or Get Covers. Because if you buy a churro shirt from anybody else, they're stealing our artwork, and that's not cool. And it's probably more expensive. And it's going to be more expensive so. for sure, dude. You can go on on Covers right now and buy a shirt for like sixteen, seventeen bucks. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. So do it. And you can buy Covers. Yes. God, you could do that too. Uh, but more importantly, <laughs> sign up to be a Patreon subscriber. It's a reoccurring donation thing, a lot like, uh, well, a lot like PayPal does. But you actually get stuff for it. Instead of this show, um, you get, uh, well, you check it out. Patreon.com slash ears up. And then you can see all the different levels that you can subscribe to. You get uh, a cool drawing. You get uh, some photos emailed to you. All sorts of fun stuff. And it's our way of thanking you for supporting this show because we definitely wouldn't be here without you guys. Um, speaking of not being able to be here without you guys. I don't know what that means. Um, our new show, Sabres and Superpowers, with uh, my nephew Anthony and his two friends, his two nerd friends. That is out right now. We have four shows posted already. You can subscribe to that on its own feed if you want. If you don't want to uh, you know, follow along on our feed, it's Sabres and Superpowers. They're on iTunes. Uh, do, a, do me a favor and rate them also, please. And uh, subscribe and share and do all that kind of fun stuff. They're, it, the show's actually pretty good. They're they're hyper hyper yeah. nerds. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's really. So who do I send um, guest ideas to? Um, you can send it to me or Anthony. Okay. I mean, do you know you have Anthony's? Uh, I'll find it. We're connected on Facebook or something. I'll, okay, I'll yeah, just up. Facebook okay. message him. That kid is constantly on his Facebook. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's a cool show. So I I, I definitely say let's try. Suggest so checking it out, please. Yes. Um, okay. I'm going to do the feedback today, Taryn, because you are going to be doing a lot of reading today. Yes. Thank you very much. Okay. Our first piece of feedback is from Vince. He says, hey, guys, I haven't listened to the show from last night, uh, so sorry if this is repeated, but I think this broke this morning. I thought of you guys because you did a show on the White Rabbits and all that craziness. This is a post from the Disneyland AP Facebook page. So far, it has over 3,000 comments with similar stories. It sounds almost exactly like the guy from the White Rabbits show. This guy looks looks exactly like and dresses up as Maui in and around the parks. Crazy. Anywho, keep up the great work. Can't wait to hear the new show. 
from Vince. So I think this is the Disney AP Facebook page, but it's not like the official annual yeah. pass holders page, right? It's a fan page. It's a fan page, but they have like 80,000 people on it. Like it's wow. insane. It's insane, yeah. And a lot of our listeners are actually on there. I, I joined it so that I could kind of look into this feedback a little bit. And yeah. um, and I kind of had already known about this because of some of the research I, was, I had been doing for the White Rabbits show. Because um, on their end of things, they had already been talking to this guy. This guy is friends with them or part of the White Rabbits? I'm not sure. He was friends yeah. with them. Friends with them? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so here... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I got a little thing going on. Um, here is the press, the presser, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's from an admin on the Disneyland... Facebook, whatever it is. Uh, we usually never make it public when we ban a member from the group, but since this member is so well-known and as well for your safety, we feel this is necessary. We have removed and banned Kyle Paula, P-A-A-L-A, from Disney fans and annual pass holders. He's also been removed from several other Disney groups. We don't believe things without proof, but unfortunately, we have received a lot of proof. Unfortunately, Kyle is not the person who he made us believe he was. Blah, blah, blah. Turns out this guy's scamming a bunch of people. Anyway, um, <clears throat> rumors of Kyle asking his fans for money are true. He has asked many people for money, but he doesn't pay them back, allegedly. Let's come on, everybody. <laughs> uh, altogether, it's been thousands of dollars. He books parties as Maui, but he doesn't show up and he does not give a refund. He also sells discounted Disney tickets, but people never receive tickets, nor do they receive a refund. He says he has a partnership with Disney, which is how he receives those tickets. I feel like if those partnerships existed, we would know about it. Not that we're at that uh, right. level where we can participate in some profit sharing thing with Disney, but but we also know enough people who work for Disney mm-hmm. that we kind of I think have a grasp on how they work, and that's not how they work. Well, yeah, and <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's it's there's nothing secret left about Disney. Yeah, I mean, with the 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 twelve or eight hour news cycle we have now in, in this right. country and in the world, basically, in the internet. Mm-hmm. It, nothing is nothing is hidden right. well, or remains hidden very long. So there's yeah. no way. And that's not how it would be said. It would be he works for Disney. Right. He, you know, he the, a person doesn't have a partnership with Disney. That's just not how it works. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. for sure. Um, especially if you're dressing up as one of their characters. Yeah. No, yeah. that doesn't <laughs> no. happen because no. they're they're already actively trying to shut those people down. Right. Right. So. Anyway, that's what happened. So uh, apparently this guy's been ripping people off, and I guess he went on the the other show, the White Rabbit show, and uh, apparently people were pretty pissed at that show because they were just making light of the situation, um, which, uh, hey, man, I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to no say too much, but yeah, they, uh, they're they friends with this guy, and so they stuck up for him, and, and I, I it sounds like several... Several people have been kind of messed, yeah. screwed over by that's, this guy. And that's the thing. So they basically said the guy admitted to everything that he was accused of. So why are you so tough on this dude? Yeah, because I still don't have my money back. Like right. that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it makes sense to be mad at this dude. But oh, did he admit it? Yes. Really? Every oh, question. Didn't... Yes, every question. They They went through... Every single question. He was like, yes, I did this. Yes, I did that. Yes, I did that. What a jerk. Yeah, so... I, I yeah, wow. I think you're allowed to be upset. Yeah, I don't know how you can be lighthearted about something like that. No, Here's a guy ripping off Disney fans, right? and you're a, a you're Disney fan. I don't know. You remember whatever. when this little kid's birthday party was ruined because Maui <laughs> didn't show up? <laughs> right. Cool. Yeah, that was me, bro. Right. Well, it's not cool. There is something to no. be That's said. That's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's something to be said about a Facebook group with 80,000 people, and then this guy got kicked off of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a lot of people writing into whoever those admins are and being like, this guy, this guy, this guy, this yes. guy. Yes, you yeah. know? you're right. Uh, this next one is from Mark. Uh, he says, hi, ears up crew. I can't remember who feedback goes to, although I've listened to every episode, so I've sent this to both Jason and Taryn. Maybe it's a comment and feedback. Maybe. Right. Let you be the judge, Terrence. Uh, an episode or two ago, Jason and Terrence stated that the park wasn't too busy the week after Christmas. This, coupled with Jeremy's phantasmic music, sealed the deal. I must take the family to Disneyland after Christmas. This also solved my last-minute Christmas shopping dilemma. Smart man. Yes. <laughs> Our first day in the park was the now infamous December 27th power outage day. There's little truth to the statement that most rides are back up by noon, which is I think is what we huh. reported. Yeah. Here's what I meant for the here's what that meant for the other rides. Um there's a 200 minute wait time at Indy. Cool. So I guess like when some rides went down or some rides were back up by noon, but everyone but else everyone, going everyone, everyone else. went there. 200 minute wait time at Indy. Uh, with at the same time, there was a forty-five minute wait time at Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> forty-five minutes for that ride? Right. It's shocking that people would get in that line even at twenty minutes. Because twenty-five some- minutes. What do you do? It's thirty so- minutes. It's something to do, exactly. I guess. So you yeah. go like whatever. And so this guy, uh, forget well, his name already, Mark. My, Mark. my first yeah. question is, what was the wait time at Carthay? Because that's where I would go. But if <laughs> right. you have little kids, you got to ride something. Well, I don't think you can buy anything because all the power's out. No, uh, no, you can't uh, ring anything up. Throughout all of Disneyland, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I thought. Oh it was no, just, that's right. It was it was, was, just it was localized. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, he says this was a great time to return to the hotel for naps. Makes sense. Although the power outage caused uh, this delay, we did notice something. We spent four days in the parks and never had a wait for Cove Bar. Hmm. Never had a wait for Carthay, oh. the D55 Lounge. I don't know what that is. Uh, I th- Hold on, I'm going to sneeze. The Steakhouse, Steakhouse 55. 55 yeah. That's uh, we went there. That's oh, I think it, the bar. Goofy's kitchen. Oh, the lounge is called D55 Lounge. I think so. Okay. Or Trader Sam's. No wait for Trader Sam's. That's crazy. The Whoa. week before, awesome. the week after Christmas, even at, at peak times, he says. Um, oh, uh, who, those of you who aren't aware, D55 Lounge has a cartoon viewing room right across the way. We attributed the absence of crowds in these areas to the lack of annual pass holders. MaxPass also helped plan the day as we could pick up fast passes, even when at the hotel, although they were mostly sold out by six. He says that couple with Rider Swap meant we never waited more than 25 minutes for a ride. Yeah, dude, Rider Swap. Rider Swap, rider swap single rider lines, most efficient way. Come on, let's go. Completely agree. Um, all in all, after that first day, I thought I'd be riding into Rip on Jason and Terrence for directing us to Disneyland at one of the busiest times of the year. But knowing the system, we had an excellent time. However, I would not recommend this time of year for a first-time visitor. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair Makes enough. Sense. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I do keep forgetting that when we went that time, it was raining, and I think it drove a lot of people away. Yeah, so I, it was, I, it was I, a little different. Um, I hesitate to mention this, else our favorite spot to watch fireworks will be overrun, so don't tell anyone, he says. <laughs> um, but have you ever watched the fireworks from the motorboat loading dock? With that the um, the raft to go across to Tom Sawyer's Island? No, 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 no. He's talking Motor- about... Um, like near Tomorrowland. Yeah, or, exactly. Um, used Matterhorn. To, yeah, it used to be the um, the through Gummy Glen. It used to be that, that motor... It was the boat version of Autopia. And oh, it's, now it's it, the smoking area. Exactly. You can, mm. It's basically before you get to Small World to the right, 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 and that's a great, oh, that's yeah. a great place to to watch the fireworks. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, there are tables and chairs and nobody else with a great view right over. It's a Small World and the pond. Skip the rides and try it sometime. Uh, Happy New Year! Keep your ears up, Mark. 
Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Uh, this is from Linda, and uh, she says, Hi, guys. I started listening to your podcast early last year when my family and I became Disney annual pass holders. Nice. Your show has helped me survive some days at work. She survived some them. days. Not all. <laughs> no. Hey, man, work will get Poor you. Linda. No matter what you have to listen to, work will, work will overcome, man. It's true. Yes. <laughs> I'll just do it. Uh, this is my first time writing in. With that said, Jason, Jason, Jason. Oh, I can't here wait. we go. Be <laughs> the only thing worse than the Olaf short at the beginning of Coco was listening to you pronounce Coco as Coco <laughs> during your news segment at the last show. I could hear Terrence cringe every time it was said and was wondering when he was going to reach over to strangle you for me. I've contacted Mexico and asked them to ban you too. Ha ha. Have a good one, guys. Keep the podcasts. Linda, welcome Coming. to my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's pronounced Coco. I was trying to be funny. Um, so hopefully you laughed. And if you say that you didn't, I have it on record that you <laughs> typed haha in this email. <laughs> well, I remember back uh, probably like three, four years ago when Lady Gaga was, you know, mm. bigger than she is now. Gaga. She was never called Lady Gaga in our house. It was Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Oh, Lady Gaga. I like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You can use it. Uh, this is our last one. This is from another Mark. Oh, I guess it's the same Mark. Uh, hey, y'all. So this is a follow-up to an email I sent a couple weeks ago. Conversing with my wife yesterday, it was brought to my attention that her recollection of the MaxPass experience did not allow us to book fast passes from the hotel room. Thank you. Hmm. You what? You were saying that you couldn't and no. people were like, you could? Or yeah, what happened? We have a listener, um, Greg, different Greg. Not, not Greg. Greg. And he said that he was able to... kind of Greg. Kind of Greg, but not no, Greg. No. But he was able to book fast passes from like 20 miles away at his house with Max Pass. That would be impossible. That's what I said. I, I called shenanigans. And he yeah. said, no, it happened. Well, Mark's, t- Mark's t- calling out Greg, not Greg, out. Because uh, you can do that at Walt Disney World, but not at Disneyland, right? I don't know well, that. Well, Walt Disney World is like a, a reservation, but it's not yeah. like that with Max Pass. It's oh, not right. the same thing. You're yeah. still, I mean, oh, I right. couldn't even book them... In downtown Disney, like that. It, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. I'm but I bet Disney I'm World's right. better, or not better. But it's larger, and so you have that wide net because people are moving oh. around, and it could take you thirty minutes to get to another park. True. So anyway, uh, now I know we're unable to purchase Max uh, Pass on the app each day until we entered either park, not in line for the entrance, but past the entrance booth. But I do recall reserving fast passes from the room. Now I'm rarely wrong. But I'm never right in these situations. <laughs> Marriage. Uh, I also observed something fun in the park, which may make a good fact of the show. In Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout with the old basement queue, when waiting for the elevator, there is Harold. Look up from downstairs or down from upstairs, and you'll see an out-of-place Yeti from the Matterhorn of days past. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That is cool. And then he says, P.S., my wife would uh, love a secret show showcasing the Disneyland sidecar recipe. The one from Carthay and D55. Multiple exp- experimentations have suggested the following recipe. Uh, and it's a good one. I was going to make it. It involves Hennessy XO, which is like $145 a bottle. I'm really? not trying to buy Yeah. I'm not she trying to buy that. Like Hennessy XO? That's what I saw on BevMo, man. Is it sad that I probably have some at home? You balling? Some yeah, dog. you're balling. Hen dog, what? Hen dog, man. My brother got married this last weekend, uh-huh. and uh, his his kid, his, my, my nephew, of legal drinking age, because okay. it's not Thank my you. brother's first marriage. Let's okay. be very clear about that. <laughs> and um, which is fine. Hey, man, um, he was handing out little little fifths of of Henny. He's like, hey, 
You want, you want to drink? I'm like, yes, because no, there was no liquor anywhere. Yeah. It was like attached to a bar. <laughs> anyway, I'm yeah. getting far afield. Um, so if you want this recipe, uh, listen to The Secret Show. Not the one for January, but maybe February. Yeah. And that's part of what you get when you, uh, when you sign up and subscribe as a Patreon supporter of ours. You get The Secret Show as right. part of the, your level, and it's a whole thing. I'll try to um, send me that recipe that he has, yeah. because um, Sidecar, that's one of Be- Angry Becca's favorite drinks. So, okay. I'll, so I'll somebody in the her. chat is saying that you can baloney. <laughs> I need. They're saying that that is as long once your ticket is scanned into the park, mm-hmm. then you can use your Max Pass. Any like you can book them from like Trader Sam's mm-hmm. or something. But I I tried that. Like I tried that. Yeah. We went into the park. Yeah. I used a Max Pass in the park. We used that whole thing. We were in downtown Disney after being in the park and it didn't work there. Everyone write in uh, at some point and let me know because well Mark is even saying he remembers booking from the hotel room. His wife remembers that he could not book from right. the hotel yeah, room. His, <laughs> wife, his wife is right because it's his wife. So there. He's <laughs> out. Right. He's out now. All right, Taryn, let's get on with the show here, my friend, and okay, okay. talk to us about the history of the Walt Disney Company part Yes, uh, this is part four. This one's titled The 90s, everyone's favorite decade, or at least just mine. Um, Okay, so after a relatively dismal decade for the Walt Disney Company, uh, by the middle of 1989, Walt Disney World uh, was starting to take on a life of its own. MGM Studios, now known as Hollywood Studios, was built and opened along with Pleasure Island, which is now Disney Springs, uh, Typhoon Lagoon, the Grand Floridian, and uh, Caribbean Beach Resorts. Who Framed Roger Rabbit had won three Academy Awards, and Michael Eisner as president was still making very business-like choices for the company, which, like him or not, were effective, and helping to turn the company around. The 90s was a big, big decade for Disney and um, Eisner, and Eisner's plan, which he called the quote-unquote Disney decade, and okay. his plan kind of worked. Yeah, <laughs> so, it actually did. Um, since Disney had its hand in so many different buckets in the 90s, um, I it became clear pretty early on in, in the research for this portion that I wasn't going to be able to present this chronologically. Right. So we are going to jump around and kind of do more categories than dates. Okay. Fair uh, enough, Taryn. Taryn, changing it up on the fly. Changing it up. Jumping around. <laughs> um, so let, we're going to start with the Disney Renaissance. And this is from 1989 to 1999. This is the 90s. Uh, this is a time period when uh, Walt Disney Animation found their groove, and started producing their most popular... <laughs> what? How Disney got its groove back? Disney, all right. I it like literally that. is how Disney got its groove back. Because um, this is where all of... This is where our classics are, right? Like, the people listening to the show, This is these are the classics. The okay. classics are not the Trace Caballeros, whatever. I don't know. Is that, was yes. that right? We're wrong. Cab- three. Cabal- Caballeros. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, yeah. Three, three so that everyone can understand the it. trace cowboys. <laughs> you kind of reverse the whole thing. Oh, is that what that stands for? Cowboys? Didn't Caballeros? know. I believe. I, I didn't I know. So. Anyway, go ahead. Three, I okay. Um, so this time period kind of restored the public and critical interest in the company as a whole, um, and it, this was, as you can imagine, a major turning point. Gentlemen. Which? Uh, oh, it means gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gentlemen. Good to know. Um. This is a major turning point for the company as a whole, but also if if you 
look forward, it led to a lot of its successes now. Like, you can see it all over the park. Um, so during this time, 10 animated features were produced. Uh, the Little Mermaid, nice. Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Mulan, and Tarzan, to name some. Wow. Those that is pretty much... movies. <laughs> yeah. There's some major ones in there. Except Mulan, I guess. <laughs> Mulan was great. I never saw it. I, I, have, I haven't seen it. it was but, good. It was good um, so Disney had been developing The Little Mermaid since the 1930s, which I did not know. Huh. Um, and after the success of Roger Rabbit, which went on and won Academy Awards and all that, the studio had decided to um, make The Little Mermaid into an animated musical. And this is something Disney had been kind of known for already. But with this one, they wanted to take it more Broadway. <laughs> So um, that's what they did. That's why we have all the songs that we all know, every word to. Um, it was a critical and commercial success. It won two Academy Awards for Best Original Song, Under the Sea, mm-hmm. and Best Original Score. So this was their first one that they put out. Okay. 1989. In 1991, Beauty and the Beast was released and became the first animated film to be nominated for an Academy Award Best Picture. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's pretty good. Big, yeah. Uh, it lost to Silence of the Lambs, mm. but it did win two Academy Awards for the Best Original Score and Best Original Song. But in Best Original Song, it was nominated three for three different songs. So there's five songs nominated. Three of them are Beauty and the Beast. Wow. Yeah. So it was nominated. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I love so- it. It was nominated for the song Belle, Be Our Guest, and Beauty and the Beast, which it won- and it won. Yeah, you would know the Belle song. I mean, you would know all of these. Oh, isn't it a lot? That, that yes. one? Okay. Yeah. And is then it? Angela Lansbury sung the other one, the um, Beauty and the Beast one, right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's that sounds a beautiful about right. song. Beautiful song. That was a, that's what we walked down the aisle to. That's what I walked. I wasn't there. I don't know. Oh, you weren't. Wasn't that's there. right. I forgot. I was marrying someone else. What a jerk. Um, <laughs> so it won for the song Beauty and the Beast. And then uh, next up. Aladdin and The Lion King followed in 1992 and 1994, respectively, uh, with both films receiving the highest worldwide grosses of their respective release years. Uh, The Lion King remains the highest grossing traditionally animated film in history, and I have a theory that that has something to do with Spectra Jeremy, because I think he probably owns every copy imaginable of that movie. (laughs) Uh, Due to the success of these films, in 1994, Disney was able to move their animation studio back to Burbank. So they had kind of taken this 10-year exile. Uh, Sorry. What's going on, Taryn? (laughs) I have have a chest pain. Sorry. All right. You're feeling in your left arm? No. That means a heart attack. No, I said no. I said, do you have feeling in your left arm? Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, sorry. Pregnancy things? I don't know. Okay. Just a weird a weird shot pain thing. All right. I'm back. <clears throat> okay. Sorry God about bless. That. Let's, let's do okay. this. <laughs> Mazel. Uh, Mazel. <laughs> um, due to the success of these films, uh, in 1994, Disney was able to move their animation studio back to Burbank. Uh, and this is making up for a 10-year exile where the studio uh, went to Glendale. And that was a way for them to pinch pennies during their not-so-good years. In 1995, Disney made a $26 million deal with a computer graphics company called Pixar Mm -hmm. uh, to produce a 
three computer animated uh, feature film. To, sorry, to produce three computer animated feature films. Okay. So Steve Jobs, uh, who at the time with $50 million investment, was chairman of the board and the sole owner of Pixar. Wow. Uh, and he had often considered selling Pixar, but saw this as a, <laughs> hi Bev, hi. Uh, but saw this partnership as a sort of last chance because uh, the the company was floundering. Um, and so, of course, we all know Toy Story went on to be enormous. It, uh-huh. it grossed three hundred and sixty two million dollars worldwide. Um, and when Pixar held its initial public offering on uh, November twenty ninth, nineteen ninety five. It took the medal that year for being the biggest IPO. Uh, in only its first half hour, Pixar's stock shot from $22 to $45. Wow. <laughs> and I just want to make this little note. Don't be confused. Disney partnered with Pixar at this point. They didn't own them. That was not that, that happens later. That was like 10 years later. Right. But at this point, they've partnered with them and created Toy Story. Um, so then we've got some of the remaining... <laughs> Uh, animated uh, features that they did. Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Hercules, which, let's be honest, those aren't that great. Hercules was good, too. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm judging, and I haven't seen them. You will see all of these. (laughs) But, whatever. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Where was I? Was a three-year-old going to Google? No. (laughs) We'll never know about it. We went through Babies R Us real fast. The other day, just looking at stuff we might need and just kind of trying to get a handle on this whole parenting thing, so to be, soon to be. And, um, or was it, no, where were we looking at the videos? Was that Target, maybe? Oh. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But there were a bunch of like Disney videos, and I'm like, these are movies that our kid will never see. Sophia the First. <laughs> like, you know, all these like yes. terrible, yes. you know, Barbie and the Magic Beanstalk. And it's like, that's no. a thing? I don't know. I just made that up. But okay. probably. Yeah, there's Barbie and the Three Musketeers. I know that for a fact. So. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Abby's so. never seen that. Yeah. I do say but she has have? seen Sophia. <laughs> it's, it's, on, well, it's on my list. A lot of that's from you because you go, oh my God, Sophia the First, I should never have been... Because like, I've only heard negative things about you. Like All I hear now about is Sophia the First <laughs> and I hate her. No, I don't hate Sophia the First. No, contrary. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um... Uh, so Pocahontas, Hunchback, and Hercules, they all performed below expectations at the box office. Um, and even though uh, 1999's Tarzan became Disney's most commercially successful film since The Lion King, its release has ultimately become known as sort of the end of the Disney renaissance. Mm-hmm. So that was that, that period for Disney that they were doing really good movies and then they started kind of dropping off near the end. But um, aside from feature films... Disney made some big strides during the late 80s and 90s into television animation world. So after 30 years of resistance, um, Michael Eisner, uh, well, okay, Michael Eisner was the one resisting. He didn't want to get into television. Okay. Okay. But, uh, so he was resisting for a while, but they finally broke into the TV animation world. The first two TV shows were The Wuzzles. I don't know if you guys remember those, but I had the stuffed animal, and it was awesome. It was only one season, but it was really good. Okay. And Clearly. <laughs> most 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 things that are really good only last one season. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> They're just so cute. Um, and then Disney's Adventures of Gummy Bears. Oh, oh yeah. Gummy 
bouncing here and there and everywhere. <laughs> I have been to be Yes. They are the gummy bears. I've never heard of that. What? Seriously? Oh my gosh. The gummy bears are rad. There was like a couple seasons of I know. I know. The gummy bears are I think four. Because they're delicious. Which they had to go get gummy berries to make the gummy berry juice in order to bounce. See? Look at this guy. All right. I have no idea what you're talking about. I may not be your man, but I'm your boy. <laughs> wow. Layers. Go ahead. Wow. Um so that was actually in nineteen eighty five that those two um premiered, but um excuse me, I think that they're relevant. Uh Disney had a higher than standard budget for these two shows in hopes that the higher quality writing and animation would lead to a more profitable syndication. Um so the Wuzzles, like I said, only lasted a season, but the gummy bears had a lengthy six season run. Which is why most people know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure Jeremy doesn't either. Right. Um, then, but he can tell you who wrote the song. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> then it's written in, by a guy named Mark. <laughs> Mark. Uh, then in 1987, the TV animation division of Disney adapted Carl Barks uh, Scrooge McDuck comic books to create everyone's favorite... Ducktales. Woo! I still haven't seen the new one. I know that you said it was terrible, but it I really want to see it. I saw one episode. Because it has it David bad. Tennant as, as Scrooge McDuck. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They didn't even do a good job with, um, what's this, um, uh, the guy said Blather and Blatherskite or whatever. That Dark dude. Queen. No, oh. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. The nerdy dude who becomes a superhero. Oh. Yeah, Darkwing Duck. No, not Darkwing <laughs> Duck. Not Darkwing that was Duck. a spinoff. It was, um, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That, just horrible. All okay. around terrible. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you should should watch it. I will. So, uh, DuckTales was so successful that in 1990, they created DuckTales the movie, The Treasure of the Lost Lamp. I haven't seen that, I don't think. I think I have. I have vague memories of eating potato chips and watching that. (laughs) I've watched that movie five times in the last month. What? You are the kids, so crazy. The kids love that movie. I just, I swear to God, I think that you're lying half the time no. when you say stuff. No, they, I can even, t- I'll give you, hold on real quick. Sy- stop. Uh, synopsis of the movie, they're looking for a lost treasure. They find the treasure. There's a lost lamp there. Um, there's, uh, Rip Torn is the, the voice, <laughs> oh, is the voice of the genie. And there's another guy who's trying to get it back at the end of the movie. Rip Torn's turned into a, a real boy. Oh, wow. Spoiler alert. Well, so, look at you. No, you don't have to watch it. You're welcome. That's it. That's what happens in the movie. All right. How do your kids find these movies? I feel like you're like, oh, DuckTales. Let's watch this. And then your kids. And then, you're, and, then you're, and then you're like, oh, this movie's crap. And then your kids are all like, this movie's great. Yeah, I saw DuckTales and bought it on iTunes. And now they can watch it whenever they want. So, anyway. There sorry. you go. <laughs> Keep interrupting you. In 1990, Disney also invested more money in these animated TV shows, creating the Disney Afternoon, which was a two-hour syndicated programming block of animated shows, um, including things like Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Rangers. Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, Goof Troop, Bonkers, and Gargoyles. I remember Gargoyles. Wow. I hadn't thought about Gargoyles (laughs) until now, since the last time I saw them. (laughs) Chippendale. I used to watch it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I go there sometimes. <laughs> oh, wait. Wrong. Sorry. Chris Farley worked there, too. Sorry. Secret show. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so that's kind of what happened in their animation sort of uh, area in the 90s. Okay. Um, Some good at, stuff. Yeah. Lots of really good things for the company. They're doing real well. And Eisner didn't want to do that. He did not want to get into television. Wow. He was wrong. But he, he, I mean, I, he, I'm sure he had something to do with all the, the real, really good animated movies. Yeah. So he's not all that bad. True. 
Um, and so then at the parks, um, Euro Disney Resort, which is now known as Disneyland Paris, opened on April 12th, 1992. It consisted of, of course, the park itself, six resort hotels, and a campground. What? Jeez. Yeah. Due to the European recession, though, um, which occurred four months after its opening, the park faced financial difficulties as there was a lack of things to do and an overabundance of hotels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Six hotels and one park. Well, and it's like 45 minutes outside of Paris. Yeah. yeah. Campground. Yeah. They, they missed the mark a touch on that one. Yeah, well. Um, then things didn't really get much better in the next couple of years, leading to the Disney company threatening to close Disneyland Paris Park and declaring bankruptcy to manage the debt. In 1995, however, after opening Space Mountain as kind of a last-ditch effort, uh, they were finally able to report a net profit of $22.8 million. This is after paying off the debt. So mm. it's, not bad. it's okay. It's mm. not amazing, but yeah. it's it's all right. Uh, the history of um, Disneyland Paris, there's a lot more to it, so I'm probably just going to make that its own show. Okay. So That'd be cool. It's real yeah. cool, um, but you're not going to hear about it here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for next time. Uh, so during the 90s, Orlando's uh, Walt Disney World saw a ton of new changes. Uh, they opened... And or revamped a bunch of attractions and hotels, including the All-Star Resort, Wilderness Lodge, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, uh, Blizzard Beach, Boardwalk Resort, Coronado Springs, Dixie Landings, Port Orleans, and Disney Vacation Club, just to name a few. Um, On a side note, Dixie Landings only lasted about nine years before Disney merged it with Port Orleans due to complaints about negative connotations associated with its theming. It was inspired by rural Louisiana and included a cotton mill, which people associated with slavery. Whoops. So, which is, I wonder why they would associate the two. That's yeah. so weird. So that got axed pretty quickly, um, and it, they essentially melded it with uh, Port Orleans. It's probably a good idea. Probably a good idea. Probably not a good idea the way they did it. No. Hey kids, uh, here's a cotton gin. Um, yeah. <laughs> Aside from those things, so uh, the Disney Institute, Downtown Disney Westside, and the redesigned Tomorrowland and Magic Kingdom also opened. So it's almost like what was open and like working before this time period. Right. <laughs> so, like, it's kind of crazy. Um, in 1998, Disney opened an entirely new park, Animal Kingdom. Uh, this park spanned 500 acres, which is nearly 27, or it is 27.8 White Houses. Um, Its major attraction was the Kilimanjaro Safaris, where guests could experience live African animals. We went on that, and it was was pretty cool, actually. It was, uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, really, it was just cool to, like, ride around in the Jeep and look at the fake trees, because they had, (laughs) like, made fake African-looking trees, trees from Africa. Um, Did you see many... um, Animals? Yeah. Yeah, there was a a lot more awake than I expected. Yeah. I was impressed. How it many, was cool. How many acres did you say? 500? 500. Okay, so I looked it up. Disneyland itself is 85 acres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's insane how big that is. Yeah. Yeah, it's wow. it's crazy. Wasted space. To- it really kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's like when you go there, it's just a lot of land. Yeah. And then there's like a little plop of something. But you know what? I'd, oh. I'd rather that than like a zoo. Because I think zoos are kind of true sad and tragic in yeah. many weird yeah. ways. Like it's cool for educational purposes, but... Yeah. 
I've never learned anything about the lion from going to the zoo. I just go, oh, there's a cool big cat, and it could yeah. kill me, and it can't, and that's cool. Let's go buy stuff. Right. That's a good <laughs> yeah. point, no one ever actually. learns anything at the zoo, and I'd much rather have the giraffes have throw them ten acres to run around yeah, on, rather than like you. a pin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they also opened. Um, this is all uh, the Asian area in Animal Kingdom, which is like a. That's the. Uh, it's, it's like. Oh, the Himalayas and yeah, stuff like the that. Him- okay. Yes, exactly. Right, that right. area that all opened a year area. later. That's what it was. I know. Called. I'm just making funny. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so elsewhere in Walt Disney World, um, as the world geared up for the meltdown of the year 2000. Y two K, yeah. Watch out, got to change them codes. Terrified. Uh, Epcot became the host of the Millennium Celebration, which I'm not going to go into, but you can learn all about it if you listen back to last January's episode where we let oh, yeah. Spectre Jeremy take over and he mm-hmm. told us the whole history of it. Right. Um, that was pretty cool. Also in 1999, Test Track, the longest and fastest Disney park attraction, opened, and we went on that too. That was actually a really cool ride. You build a car. Yeah, I dug. Yeah. I dug it. Yeah, you like build a car, and so we build different cars, and then we race each other, and like nice. whoever had whoever picked better tires or better whatever wins. That's awesome. Supposedly. Yeah, it was weird because you all get in a car, so like six of you are in a car or whatever, and you go around the test track, which goes relatively fast. If you think if you think the Radiator Springs Racers or whatever it's called right. goes fast, test track, bro, really? and then somehow. One of those people's cars wins. I don't know. It was yeah. weird. I didn't understand. It didn't fully explain it, but I made a big pink monster truck with a spoiler that was eco friendly, <laughs> and I lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we let's go over to Disneyland. Uh, Mickey's Toontown opened in 1993, and Indiana Jones Adventure opened in 1995. Both of which helped increase attendance mm-hmm. and um, eat crowds up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. At this time, I mean, Disneyland. I don't think past what its opening day or its opening couple months. Like it was never hurting for attendance, but this definitely helped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Between the years of 1995 and 1998, several Tomorrowland attractions were slated to be closed or remodeled, including the People Mover, the Rocket Jets, Mission to Mars, Circle Vision 360, Captain EO. And the Starcade. They were all um, either permanently closed or planned for renovation. Mission to Mars was still there in the 90s? Yeah. I don't remember it at all. Oh, me either. No, I don't remember it either. I mean, there was a big span where I didn't. I mean, I went to Disneyland as as like a little guy. And then maybe when I was 16, which was like 94, 95. But I don't really remember going. Yeah. So, I I don't know. There's a lot of Disneyland that I missed out on because, you know, my family hates me. So. (laughs) Um, At this time, most of these attractions were left vacant or given substandard replacements. Um, An example of this might be Captain Neo, which was replaced by Honey, I Blew Up the Audience. I liked it. I I wouldn't call that substandard at all. I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. I liked Captain Neo. I liked Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. I thought it was cute and clever and... Uh, and then Captain Neo came back, and I was fine with that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of passion about those about that switcheroo because you need a break from. Yeah, stuff. you do have to change things up sometimes. Yeah. I guess. But Terrence, you can stop glaring at me I, any day now. You know, I disagree. So it's fine. <laughs> Only about Captain Neo. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> Uh, in 1998, Tomorrowland reopened. We've talked about this before, but the entire land was painted in bronzes, golds, and dark browns mm-hmm. with some green highlights. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It was a, such a bad, bad redesign. Um, it reminds me of that uh, Kids in the Hall skit 
where like the two German designers are walking down the street. They go, everything brown. And they're just, <laughs> like, they have designer teams behind them and they're just painting stuff brown. Brown, brown. And I don't know. That's don't what that old Tomorrowland reminds you. Yeah, it's so bad. Just look up like 1998 Tomorrowland. It's bad. Um, the flagship attraction of this makeover was the Rocket Rods, mm. which attempted to run a fast-paced ride on a f- on the former uh, slow-paced people mover track. Um, the ride closed three years later due to intraceable, intractable ma- mechanical problems. I don't even know what that word is. Never mind. Right. Forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pretend the- you never even said it. Yeah. So that's like that's those are the things that we're mostly used to is like the movies and then the parks and then. Mm-hmm. This is in the '90s. This is when Disney was really starting to dabble into a lot of different things. Um, so I'm going to kind of just go through the, some of the stuff that they had their hands in. Okay. Um, they started Hollywood Pictures, and the objective um, was to double the the feature film output that they had had to this point, uh, filling a gap created by financial problems and some of the competing production companies. Their first release was Arachnophobia. God, that was a good movie. Oh, I cannot watch that movie. I don't think I've seen it. No, no, I'm not saying it was bad casting or anything, but I still look at the toilet first. I think we watched it. Yeah, John. I think I think it was John Goodman. He plays an exterminator. Yep. Where these like in the city, right in SF. No, it's like a country house or something like that. I just remember the shoe. The 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 guy. Oh yeah. That freaks like. I remember the popcorn scene. Oh, so good. Anyway, Arachnophobia. Hated Quality it. movie. Um, it. Hollywood Pictures is also known for having brought my favorite director, M. Night Shyamalan, to theaters mm-hmm. with uh, Sixth Sense. Good movie. That was a great movie. Yeah. That was a good movie. The only good one. Uh, the Village. Uh, no. I, I hate agree that with movie. You. It was oh, good, that was right? Great, the twist at the end? Yeah. Oh, so bad. Who didn't see that? I actually saw that coming. Wait, which one? Six Sense or the, or the no, Village? No, not the Six Sense. Okay, that totally you. threw me off. The Village? Yeah, no, you did. I did. Get out. No, I did. Yeah, you, maybe the second time you saw it. No, <laughs> I think I saw it too. It she was, was probably so like stupid. this. She probably like, wouldn't that be amazing if it was actually set? And well, I don't want to royal. <laughs> yeah, ruin the yeah, thing. Spoiler alert. Been long yeah, it just long made. You just guessed. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. In January Come 1991, on. Jerry Bruckheimer moved his production company to Hollywood Pictures, uh-huh. and they created uh, many relatively unpopular comedies, <laughs> the only real successes being The Hand That Rocks the Cradle and good The Joy movie. Luck Club. Never saw that one. Hand Rocks Cradle, good movie. That was a good movie, too. I never saw The Joy never Luck Club. Never seen it. Is that the... Never mind. Secret show. Uh, by 2001, <laughs> Hollywood Pictures had released 50 films, but the operation itself was being phased out because it just wasn't... They, they weren't producing the best films. Um, it remained dormant for five years before being reactivated as Ooh. a genre-specific production company, somewhat like uh, Dimension Films that, d- that does mm-hmm. like all the screams, yeah, yeah. Um, until 2007 when Disney stopped releasing under the label completely. So they tried to revamp it. It didn't work. Uh, some of the other things that happened, uh, they acquired the Rather Corporation, that's a W-R-A-T-H-E-R, okay. All right. and they owned the Disneyland Hotel, so now Disney owned the Disneyland Hotel. Right, right. Smart move, by the way. Yes. Smart move. Uh, the Los Angeles a television station KHL, which they renamed KCAL, which if, if you've ever stayed in a hotel, you probably have heard that before, okay. um, and they purchased the company Childcraft Education Corporation. Childcraft. I know. That's not creepy anonymous at all, right? Sponsored by Skynet. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Jeremy's in the chat and wants to know if he can put the village soundtrack on uh, Spectro. I said yes. Yes. Yeah. But I don't signs. know why you would. Right, sorry, signs. Oh, God. That's an even worse movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that movie more than anything. But it's Disney adjacent. So oh. there you go. Oh, so is Encino Man. Really? Hollywood Pictures. Put, How did you You not... need to put that soundtrack on. Wow. <laughs> Back to radio. You got the head weave and everything going on. <laughs> yeah. So the Childcraft Education Corp, they were the owners of retail stores and catalog sales, uh, which allowed them to open over 50 Disney... Disney stores in only two years. Wow. By 1996, so that, oh, I didn't say a year. I don't know the year. By 1996, there were more than 450 Disney stores worldwide. And by 1999, that number was up to 725. So, like Starbucks at that point. Yeah. So within three years, they opened another 300 and something. Wow. That's crazy. I, I would love to just know. The justification, I mean, they have to know that there has to be some sort of bubble or right. some oversaturation point, and then maybe the the amount of money they would lose on those stores closing would, it, it doesn't matter, it's infinitesimal, I guess, uh, to how much money they could make right. if a third of those stores hit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. how does that, what's the math on that? Where we know a third are going to fail, and that's just where well, we're just going to cast the net super right. wide and see what happens? Maybe. I mean, at this point, they're... I think they're kind of flown in money, yeah. so they have it to kind of do that experiment. Right. I'm also, guessing. Random fact: um, I went to the Disney store fairly recently and asked them. I bought something, and I was like, "Hey, do you give an annual pass discount?" They don't. No. Yeah, no, they Mm-mm. don't. They should, but they don't. Just like just sharing my information. <laughs> I was like, "Oh." This is information that I have at this moment. I'm just sharing. Right now, right now I have it. Uh, neither does the van store. So that's weird. That also yeah. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> is that Disney adjacent? Go figure. No, I'm no, just sharing just a store. Oh, okay. Sears everybody. doesn't do it. Shut Shut up. Up. It's Safeway. Uh, so Michael Eisner created Hollywood Records in 1989 as a way of expanding the company's music operations. At the start, they were mostly limited to releasing soundtracks from Touchstone and Hollywood Pictures, which they both owned. Uh, they tried to sign Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> oh, there's a list. Tried. Uh, wow. Naughty by Nature, Cypress <laughs> Hill. I hate you. And Dr. Dre, but they weren't able to secure any of Dre, them. Hold on, Dre? <laughs> they tried. To, to what, Touchstone, what was it? Uh, this is Hollywood, Hollywood Records. Records. Hollywood Records. Jeremy, you should have uh, the Almost Made It Hour, <laughs> where like you can play all of these people, Yes. and the theme is like they almost were Disney, or maybe the half hour, because it's a novelty. But. I don't know if he could play Dre for half an hour without losing well, a lot of listeners. Not the only, you know... There's radio edits. <laughs> yeah, it would just be dee- yeah. the entire time. <laughs> right. It's like a flat line. That's what it looks like. uh, too soon. Oh, in 1990, how <laughs> are you in the future or something? No, his <laughs> his career. Oh. Dre? Yeah. Now nah, he's good. Well, was a billionaire. I don't know, man. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Keep going, Terry. Uh, in 1990, however, they experienced uh, their first real success. When they acquired the distribution rights to Queen's entire catalog for $10 million. Put that on Spectro. I know, right? And possibly due to Freddie Mercury's untimely death in 1991, the band's catalog generated nearly $94 million in revenue for Disney. Wow. That was the right place at the right time. That's amazing. Yeah. So they they did something good with Hollywood Records. Yeah. Weird. Wow. A- acquiring IP. Acquiring old IP. Yeah. And banking off of it. Yeah. That's weird. Um, so in the early 90s, Disney began to broadcast some new live action television shows, such as Live with Regis and Kathy. Never heard oh. of it. 
Kathy Lee, sorry. Empty Nest, Dinosaurs, which, by the way, awesome show. Mm-hmm. So uh, was Empty Nest, too. Wasn't Jim J. Bullock on Empty Nest? I don't remember that show. Yeah. Empty Nest, Empty I've Nest. I've heard of it. Empty Nest, was, that was the spinoff of uh, Golden Girls. It was with the pediatrician, right? Oh, my gosh, that really? He was a pediatrician. He was the well, next-door neighbor of the Golden Girls. It was a spinoff. Wow. Well, there, there you, you go. go. It all comes back to the question. Yeah, and I'm the one with useless information. <laughs> yes. That's uh, useful. It helped. Right. Whatever. Um, also in that list is Home Improvement. Also great. Yeah, great. Yeah, um, in the early 90s, uh, also in the early 90s, Disney... Disney bought a lot of Coke for Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> True story. A cola. I don't, mean, I don't need a check. A I don't need a check. <laughs> Just hook me up with that Columbia. Go ahead. That's okay. Disney also dabbled in publishing, forming Hyperion Books... Hyperion Books for Children and did the Disney Press. Uh, in 91, Disney also purchased Discover Magazine, the leading consumer science monthly. Hmm. So they're, they're literally just buying everything. Mm-hmm. Um, to spice things up even more, oh. Disney founded the National Hockey League team, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. There we go. Named, of course, after the 1992 hit. Um, Which, didn't we figure out that that's actually a Christmas movie? Yes, it is. Because it has Christmas in it? It does have Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I have to remember that. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, and then they dove even deeper into the world of sports. And later in 1997, Disney acquired the California Angels baseball team. Oh. Boo that team. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Ducks actually won a championship. Actually, we saw, there's a photo. I forget where we saw this picture of. But when the Ducks won the cup, they put the Stanley Cup in the, the, uh, the pirate treasure room. On Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, That's really? That's sick. I like yeah. that. I, awesome. I took a photo of it wherever the heck we saw it, and I put it online somewhere. I should yeah. find it again. Because it's pretty cool. You just cruise through Pirates, and there's the Stanley Cup. That's crazy. Sitting uh, on, amongst the golden You'd jewels. probably freak out. Uh, especially if I didn't know. It's, for me, that would be like seeing John, Jonathan Depp in the Jonathan. thing. Yes. Jonathan Depp. I don't know him that well to call him Johnny. Um, <laughs> especially if you didn't know about it. You just go, oh my God, it's the Stanley Cup. Yeah. It's, it's the Stanley's Cup. Yeah, I just found a, a picture of it. It looks pretty dope. It's cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1994, Disney also opened their first Broadway musical with a very successful stage production of Beauty and the Beast. Nice. And this was then followed in 97 with The Lion, the King. Lion King. And then, of course, they're still doing that mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. I think they just did Aladdin, or not just did, but Aladdin's mm. a more recent Is that the one. Orpheum right now, I believe? Yeah. yeah. And I think that they're, they're all still running, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're amazing. If you have a chance to do it, absolutely go see them. They're so good. And I hate musicals. Uh, Early in 1996, Disney acquired ABC. Such poison with that. I hate. I really do. She sounds like me me more and more every day. (laughs) I bet Jeremy hates me now. (laughs) Uh, It was a 19... er, When they acquired ABC, it was a $19 billion transaction that included not only the top television network, but also 10 TV stations... 21 radio stations, seven daily newspapers, and ownership positions in four cable networks. So smart. It's crazy. Uh, Like, just the the amount of things that happened in kind of a 10-year span. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, And and then, uh, lastly, in 1998, Disney Magic, the first of two luxury cruise ships, made made its uh, maiden voyage to the Caribbean, Stopping at Castaway Cay, Disney's private island in the Bahamas. And yes. on this island, they have a 99-year lease. What? And they have their own private port that only Disney ships can dock at. Wow. So I think yeah. that we should go on Done. a Disney cruise. You can write that off, right? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. can we? <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah. we can. But you have to. But you're just not paying the taxes on it, or you're getting a refund on your right. taxes. So, you know, you're spending five grand to like say get five hundred dollars back or whatever. Well, if anyone out there it's in radio, worth it. yeah, if anyone in Radio Land <laughs> really wants to hear about what a Disney cruise is like, we go, have on to go on Patreon. Hey, you know, <laughs> or you could if, for yourself to go. Hey, man, if if someone paid for us to go, I would do video. Yeah, and I would send oh, it to sure. only to them. It'd Just, be like that Wu Tang awesome. album. Strap- you get <laughs> one one view, channels. one moment. Anyway, yeah. it's not gonna happen. But uh, it'd be cool to go in a couple years. I mean, why not? Cruises yeah. are pretty dope, man. Yeah, if I, you don't get listeria from the water, or, uh, hit a storm or something. I don't know. Go ahead, turn. Uh, we're almost done here. But in 2000, the Walt Disney Company welcomed a new president, Robert Iger, and the company reached the 25 billion dollar revenue threshold for the first time. Um, so later in 2005, I'm just going to jump a little bit. Uh, Iger was serving as president and COO of Disney when the board of directors put pressure on Eisner to resign Wow! and promote Iger as his successor. And we'll get into more about that in the history of Disney part five. Nice. Uh, just since we were talking about stocks, I decided to look up the, uh, the history of the Disneyland stock oh dear. part one. <laughs> January 1990. How much do you think a piece of stock was? Keep in mind, it's now at about one ten, a hundred ten dollars. And then I will say here, nineteen uh, May 1972, it was one dollar and forty cents. You said 1990. 19 January 1990. My I'm going to say 37. Anybody else? I don't know. Nobody wants to get okay. Just, no. just guess. Yeah. No one's having fun. Well, uh, Six dollars and forty seven cents. Six bucks. Yeah. Six dollars and forty seven. That was in dude. 1996. You said. My God. January 1990. Okay. Yes. So then now January, uh, here, let's go December of 1999 to just kind of be in line with your thing. Okay. $23. Wow. Wow. That's and insane. like some change or whatever. It's hard. 23 uh, 29 It jumped up like 300%. Yeah. yeah. In the decade. And so tracking Jeez. it like by month, it's, it's kind of going up and down, but it still stays in the single digits until 93. Three January ninety three, it finally hits eleven dollars. It jumped up two bucks, and then it kind of went back down and dipped and hung around there, and then it kind of skyrocketed around the mid nineties. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting to kind of yeah. coincide with all these purchases. That got me wondering. Well, if Disney is making these major things and stock is like thirteen, fourteen bucks, why wouldn't you throw some cash into it? Seriously, I don't know. And then it tanked. <laughs> you know, January, early September uh, two thousand or whatever. Dropped even more in 2009. Then it's just been climbing since July 2012 or whatever. All right. Good job, Taryn. Good job. Thank you. All right. You guys ready for some news? Yes. All right. Let's do this. Present and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. How unprofessional of (laughs) you. We have a lot of news to cover, um, and so I'll try to cover, you know, what I can. Today, Terrence, today uh-huh. is the anniversary, the 25th anniversary of Toontown. Oh, your favorite place Yay. that you never go to. <laughs> uh, you know what they were doing in Disneyland for uh, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Toontown? I'm guessing nothing. Um, <laughs> special character appearances oh. and photo ops. Roger Rabbit. 
You never see Roger Rabbit. Additionally, cast members uh, were handing out trading cards. Okay. That's cool. Is it? I mean, Got to get them in there free. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what was happening for the 25th anniversary of Toontown. That's what I'm saying. No, I don't even think Disneyland cares. <laughs> they forgot. Yeah. They <laughs> probably did that press release last night at like 6. They showed like, up oh, you know what tomorrow is? <laughs> Can old- somebody print some cards? An alert came up on their computer. Oh, man. Uh, hang on. I can't just fix this. Talk amongst yourselves. Hi, Darren. So I honestly cannot remember more than one time I've been in Toontown with my kids. Really? Six years. Do they not? They don't like going into the houses or anything? We never go. That We don't go past You should. I think world. they would really enjoy the opportunity to destroy things. Uh, you know my kids. I yeah. do. Yeah, I could see All it being right. a super cool place for kids. You should bring them. I ah. was at Disneyland for six days. We didn't go to that land once. You guys don't <laughs> love your kids. You guys should love your kids more. No, we love them enough to not expose them <laughs> to terrible enough. areas. Uh, here's something that was cool. A new Disney patent combines merchandise and interactive experiences, putting the magic into hands of the guests. And magic is in air quotes. Jeez, uh, but it reminds me a lot of what's hap- what happened in Harry Potter uh, land. Oh, so yeah. again, Disney suddenly on the back foot here, uh, propelling forward. But um, titled "Location Based Experience with Interactive Merchandise," the patent describes allowing guests with specific merchandise to take part in interactive location based experiences. Their main example depicts a user wearing gloves and making a specific gesture. Or like a wand with a spell in Harry right. Potter land. Yeah. Which sends a stream of, quote, ice particles oh my God. to the target. So uh, here we go, Frozen. Uh-huh. God, I can't get away from it. Um, here's Disney's description of the image. A game player is wearing a specific pair of gloves that are associated with the freezing magic powers. When the game player makes a predefined gesture, in this example, pointing all their fingers at a target, a stream of ice particles is shown to be directed along the pointing direction of the game player. The patent also describes a system with sensors to uniquely identify each game player, so historical data can be maintained and the and the effect generated by the game player can be enhanced based on the historical data. So hmm. it like remembers what you do and who you interact with maybe as far as the displays and what happens, so maybe uh, some sort of storytelling thing could happen. Right. Or if cool. you interact with cool. someone a certain way, then you get to another thing and it'll treat you differently based on how it... Like a choose-your-own-story kind of a thing, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Well, I guess that's I how they one-upped the Harry Potter. Because at first I was like, how are they putting a patent on this? This has already been done. Right. But Besides the gloves, the patent also mentions clothing, mobile devices, headwear, and carried items as part of the potential merchandise. Sensory effects detailed in the patent include visual, audio, tactile, smell, and taste. Oh. Um... Yeah. Anyway, I, I think it's it's not the the function, but the actual like mechanics behind hmm. it is the is the thing. But uh, it's pretty cool. Some good stuff coming down the pipeline, technology wise. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's see what else we're going to talk about today here, bros. Oh, we already already just did that one. Had that twice. Uh, here's what it takes to be a full time Disney princess. Oh. A diet. Please go on. Here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Youth. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
The world of Disney face characters are uh, kept pretty well under wraps and is rife with company lingo. A face character, for one, just means an actor who wears makeup rather than a mask. Ask around and you'll find that most who work or have worked at Disney don't want to comment on their jobs more than once in the interview process. Uh, This person was told by current and former cast members that they preferred to keep the magic rather than speak with a reporter. Um so this reporter just kept asking people, and eventually they figured it out. So those wishing, they say, to work as, as a character at Disney must first undergo several rounds of auditions, and many of those trying, uh, trying out come via the Disney College program. Katie McBroom was an undergraduate at the University of North Florida when she applied. While she had taken jazz and tap classes growing up and acted in a high school play, she wasn't interested in pursuing an acting career and initially intended to complete a communications internship at Disney. Eventually, though, she decided to audition for an entertainment role, uh, playing one of the famed Disney children. What? Wait, whatever. It's stupid, stupid article. Um, according to Disney, those who audition don't get picked for their intended role. Instead, they audition for any open role, including princesses, princes, fur characters, those who wear large costumes and masks, parade performers. Uh, this is from the Disney Internships blog. Uh, they say all performers, including Disney character lookalikes, will also perform in meet and greets as fully costumed Disney characters. In other words, they say most of the Disney princesses are not just relegated to one costume. Right. Nick Broom, for instance, plays both Snow White and Princess Leia and would moonlight as Mr. Smee, Captain Hook's sidekick, when time permitted. Another current empo- employee... Um, plays both Tinkerbell and a handful of other petite characters, Chip and Dale, Winnie the Pooh, and Doc McStuffins. Um, Wait, who's Doc McStuffins? Some Doc McStuffins. She's the Doc doctor. Oh, that's like a new thing, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know the rest of it. The Doc is in. Oh, wow. Don't judge me. Um, let's see. Because all characters at Disney wear some sort of costume, height is a determining factor in who can play which role. Unlike a role in a play or a film where costumes are made for the actor who can best play the role, the actors at Disney have to be able to fit in the costumes that already exist. Tinkerbell, for instance, is played by a petite woman, as are Chip and Dale. That being said, someone's look doesn't always determine which character they might get. It really boils down to what Disney needs. Uh, That's why sometimes the Alice looks just dude, and messed I, up. Yeah, and I, re- I, I, I was <laughs> yep. looking through my, like, my Facebook memories, whatever. It popped up one day, a few days ago, we went for your birthday like several yeah. years ago, and there was that picture with the funky looking Alice. Yeah. That like, it looked like she looked like a, I don't want to say, a Picasso painting. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. It was just... She was she a full-on Monet. I, I think she yeah. just had a bad yeah. makeup day or whatever, but it was like, who, huh? Well, and she's like my favorite character, so like... I, so we noticed, saw her. Like, I wanted to like take a picture, but right. then I got up there and I was like, no, "I don't no want one. this picture." And, <laughs> yeah, and it's—I mean, she was fine, but she wasn't an Alice. Yeah, she it was just like it, it was like a, ha- a cut rate Alice. It's a Halice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. It was just. It was. It was weird. Like the wig was very clearly a wig. It just. It was yeah. like this person was late. Yeah. And just ran out and kind of right. like half-assed it. It was weird. Yeah, it was nice. just the whole thing was weird. <laughs> um, anyway, on Reddit, a former Disney worker said he first auditioned for a role after several people told him he looked like Prince Philip. Ultimately, he was not selected. He said he found out after the audition that they weren't. They were really only looking for Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. Okay, I don't know those people. Yeah, and since From you Kim can Sonia. only attend one face audition a year, this guy never tried again. Wow. 
so this is my friend uh, Jesse. Actually, now she's like five or six different characters for some private birthday something through uh-huh. LA. Oh yeah. Um, but she went there for that, and she said it was intense. Like she's like five four ish, five five. You have to be like five six to five eight. Like you have to be a, a certain weight. Like it's yeah. very very specific. And she was like, "This is ridiculous. I can't." I can't grow or lose that much weight in a day. So wow! But then you go <laughs> somewhere she's else. Small. Yeah, like, she's small. But then you go somewhere else, and she looks spot on like the characters. But she can't do it at Disneyland. It's kind of strange. It's weird. Um, apparently, the first audition includes a simple miming exercise. Once cuts are made, I'm in a box. I'm in a box. <laughs> I'm going to rope you. Here, I'm going to pull you in. I don't know, whatever. Uh, once cuts are made, those who come back are asked to take on more advanced choreography. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, McBroom was asked to come back after the dance portion of the audition and was then ultimately, uh, immediately fitted as a princess. She says, a professional cosmetologist comes and does your makeup. Wow. And fits you with the wig, she says. That day I was fitted for both Snow White and Princess Leia. It was kind of surreal to see yourself in the mirror as those iconic characters. I've always had a passion for makeup and beauty. A passion for makeup. I am so passionate about putting (laughs) minerals on my face. Um, Characters with an accent like Alice, Wendy, or Mary Poppins undergo a separate day of dialect training. But even those who play American characters have to alter their voice a bit. As part of training, actors will watch movies starring their characters and say lines back. For most girls, the character is higher than their actual voice, Banks said. Actually, it's so high that some girls will go on vocal rest because it strains their vocal cords, especially when they first start out. Um, Blah, blah, blah. All Disney employees arrive on set and must immediately put on company-issued clothing. When you check into work, you put on shorts or bloomers and a V-neck. You have to be in company clothing from the time you start your shift to the time you end your shift. From there, characters head to check out their costumes and to what uh, this person calls a crazy wig shop where Tinkerbell wig is cleaned and styled at least every two days. Hmm. Full-time performers, those who work 40 hours a week, each have their own wigs. Part-timers wear sub-wigs in their sides that are washed before each shift, you hope, <laughs> and are shared right. with other performers. Can you imagine working at Disneyland 40 hours a week? <laughs> and just and being like Belle. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that would be crazy, man. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole lot of cool stuff. It's a, it's a fun article, but... Um, oh, this is a good quote. Uh, though they are given stage makeup... The looks themselves are fairly natural. Most of the princesses are supposed to be like 15 years old. So the makeup looks are generally very clean beauty makeup versus an Instagram face. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Makes yeah. Sense. There wasn't a strict rule on contouring for my characters. That's a makeup thing, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was more about the shape of the blush and the type of lip line. All right. So no, like, ghetto, like... Dark. No, no, dark. Yeah, like yeah. liner drawing your lips. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, what about brows? Darn. How, do they, how do they fall on the brows? Well, they do say that they use Ben Nye brand. Oh, yeah, the Ben Nye concealer. It's specifically stage performance makeup. Kim Kardashian uses it. <laughs> Why do I know that? She's on stage all the time. <laughs> God, the whole world is a stage. <laughs> um. The reason so much training is required, there's always more than one of everyone. A Snow White having breakfast at Epcot has to look exactly the same as a Snow White visiting Magic Kingdom during lunch. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, uh, um, each character has a very distinct signature to keep consistency, McBroom said. In case someone sees a princess at breakfast and sees her again at dinner, they want to make sure the autograph stays the same. 
That makes sense. That's pretty funny, dude. That's cool. They have to learn their autograph, even with gloves on, and practice it over and over again. Um, Not just that, but if they're right-handed and the character's left-handed, they have to learn how to write it left-handed. Oh, wow. Yeah. In fact, one woman who played Mulan admitted on Reddit that she had accidentally signed the name to a restaurant and retail receipt simply out of habit. I signed Mulan about a thousand times a day at work. You eventually get handed paper and do it without thinking, she says. I wonder what other characters she plays. (laughs) I know, right? Probably masked characters or like parade characters, something like that. Or Alice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Malice. Anyway, it's it's a long story. You get the idea. There's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff happening there. Um, let's talk about that on the secret show. This is an interesting oh. one. I what? Which one? Oh, never mind. Star oh, Wars. This Star Wars stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't really want to get into right now. Uh, I posted this on our Facebook page, um, but it's pretty interesting. A roadmap to a third gate at Disneyland needs Garden Walk. Yeah. So the the rumor is, and I'm sure it's not really a rumor, but uh, the Garden Walk for you Anaheim adjacent, not adjacent, but uh, if you don't stay directly centered on the resort. The Garden Walk is where House of Blues moved to, and there was a gym there that's no longer there, and there was a bowling, all dance clubs and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, that property is for sale, and uh, people are, are, are suggesting that Disney buy it um, because they would get the parking lot like behind it also, I guess, or yeah. something like that. So Disney already owned so, – uh, so Disney Way, uh, Harbor and Disney Way – that's kind of where the Garden Walk is. It's on Disney Way proper. Um, but then right across from Disney Way, Disney already owns its space of that empty lot and like another hotel property. Mm-hmm. So they have Disney-owned uh, block. You have Disney Way. Then you have Garden Walk. And then behind that is Catella. And then behind that is the parking structure and all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. they could potentially own. Um, anyway, I thought it was really interesting that uh, I, I hope Disney buys that because they kind of need to buy it. I think so, too. I don't see a reason why they wouldn't. I don't see a yeah. re- reason why they wouldn't either, to I be feel honest. like it would play into what they're doing anyway, because they're trying to buy up all of those hotels in that mm-hmm. per- down that area anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, and this person's like, oh, you know, a, th- a third, uh, well, what were they saying? Um, like, uh, Marvel Land or whatever. And it's like, dude, just put that, put the giant hotel there. Yeah. Make another, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah. you know, I don't know, whatever. I kind of, I, I don't know. It, what are you going to do, right? Try to outthink Disney? They're spending billions and billions of dollars like trying to figure out what to yeah. do. It's not going to be it's like I'm not smart enough to 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 do any of that stuff. I think look, put another park there. That'd be totally great. But I think it'd just be kind of disjointed and weird if you put a, a, a another another like Marvel Universe park right, right there. Yeah. Right. Cuz you're Unless not you in had, Disney. Like a sky bridge or something like that. They could Which do something Which you theoretically cool. would cuz that's what they were kind of permitting to kind of do anyways mm-hmm. uh, to have that, that other entrance come through and then they scrapped it to, to, to just ruin downtown Disney, which I got clarification on that. Yeah. So last time last time we were talking, the rumors were that basically everything from the La Brea Bakery over is going to be mm-hmm. gone. Yes. It's going to be gone, but rebuilt. So all of that stuff's coming out and then it's being rebuilt and new stuff's going in. And new stuff is going in. Yeah, I heard mm-hmm. like Earl of okay. Sandwich, I was talking to Bima while we were there, mm-hmm. and he said the Earl of Sandwich, while still is going to be re- removed, and they're completely getting rid of the movie theater. Yeah. That's not coming back. Yeah. Um, but that won't go away. It's just moving to another area in the downtown Disney area. So some of the places are just being replaced, mm-hmm. and some of them are just leaving. Some of them forever. are leaving. I, th- I think part of them are uh, part of like a restaurant group that's pulling their people out because ah, they, right. Disney's not letting them make reservations and stuff like that. Right. It's a whole thing. So. Hmm. 
you're getting you're getting a lot of people. Anyway, interesting Imagineering stuff happening over here, folks. And I, I, I don't know a potential third gate over there. I'd rather see something else. I don't want to go to if they had Marvel Universe Park over there. You're not in Disneyland. It's not anywhere near the thing. I want it so bad because then I don't want to go there either. But other people, <laughs> but will. other people will. And then True. I we can get our park back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's still going to be uh, f- uh, still going to be flooded <sighs> just because I think Disney is so popular. Uh, and I'm not like the only one ever saying this, but if you have, it's just going to bring more people in addition mm. to the people who are already in Disneyland. Yeah, I don't think it's going to like relieve it's, pressure. It's just going to increase their capacity. Yeah, that's all it's going to do. Um, you know. It's- Talking, you said something about you don't think like Disney people at Disneyland do. You're not smart enough. Sometimes I wonder <laughs> what they're thinking right. when they do things. <laughs> like what? Like just in general? Well, I just came back a couple days ago. Yeah, the entirety of Main Street, dude, has a wall around it. Right. So yeah, there's, I saw a photo. The traffic is a train yours. wreck. Like it's so bad, mm-hmm. and it looks ugly. It's ugly. So <clears throat> basically, when you walk in, there's the train station behind you. And there's a wall. And then that wall wraps around the train tracks and um, goes down and then it ends. And then it's open for a little ways. And then you get to, I don't I don't know, space. But a little ways before the partner statue, yeah. the wall starts again and it goes all the way around the partner statue. Wow. Seriously? Because it's that's, hot, what, that's where they're doing mess. the tracks. They're but, redoing the tracks, but right? But then you have like... A- a third so of Main could, Street without a wall in it. That's so it. I'm That's assuming horrible. they're gonna. It, it's so bad. It's so bad. So they're not doing any parades, which made oh, right. things terrible, or any fireworks. Oh, wow! Yeah, because wow. that's the no. It makes total sense because that's <laughs> Where the parade are those route. Gonna go? Yeah, that makes total sense for them. Not it to makes be, sense, but I mean, yeah, doesn't make it smart because no, 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 they no, need no, to. No. They need to redo the tracks. So what do you do? I don't Maybe know. Maybe you what wait do you do? Until, until Star when? Wars Land is done and the, that walkway around the back is open so at least some of the traffic can be there and not just all in one place all the time. Maybe they couldn't. But who knows if the... So I'm okay. still a little bitter. I've decided that the thing I hate the most about Disneyland is the people who go to Disneyland. Yeah. Well, and you went for too agrees. many days. Uh, too many days. You went for too, You went for like 11 how, how, how many days? <laughs> Hannah. Oh, days. 11, 11 days. 11 days. I was there for six days. Oh, my God. It was that's awful. Way too like, much. It actually Whoa. still hurts. Like, that's okay for somebody who's never been <coughs> and who is traveling from, you know, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's no. not okay uh-huh. for an annual pass holder to See, go six days. But if you're from Nebraska, don't even think no, twice. No, you won't <laughs> get it. Just do it. You just won't get it. Uh, yeah, that's too long, Bev. That is way too long. Awful. And I don't know why. We, I, don't know what, I don't know what happened. But you we guys stayed longer, right? Only supposed to stay for four days. And then it turned into six. Jeez. Was it just you and your immediate? It's like yeah. the three of you guys Yeah, stayed? just the three of us stayed. Okay. But I will say you had a good experience at Trader Sam's. I did. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And now you're on board with Trader Sam's? Because before you because were like I super sat, anti. Well, I was, but yeah, I, I sat inside. Right. And my drink was drinkable. Right. And my burger was delicious. Yeah. And um, it was great. Trader okay. Sam's is bomb, dude. It's good, man. My, it's good stuff. Let me, let me clarify. My drink's... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, dude. Um, here's the last thing. I'm going to try not to rail on it too much because we have the secret show. There's a brewery coming to downtown Disney called well, that sounds fun. Ballast Point. Boo. Um, and this is from the Disneyland blog. Uh, the downtown Disney district at the Disneyland Resort is continuing its ambitious promenade-wide transformation in 2018. Multiple new venues and significant refurbishments to marquee dining and retail locations will be completed throughout the year while downtown Disney district remains open 
to guests. The result will be a fresh, one-of-a-kind Disney experience. <sighs> Except you can experience the same thing at Safeway. <laughs> Widely popular San Diego-based brewer Ballast Point will open its first Orange County location in downtown Disney District later this year. Ballast Point pairs its high-quality, award-winning beers with an extensive menu of Southern California cuisine, uh, salads, small plates, flatbread. Can we stop making pizza flatbreads like a beer thing? Can we stop? <laughs> it's like so mid 2000s. So mid-2005. Whoa, we have 12 flatbreads. Enough with the flatbread. It's fine. Um, the space will house the first ever on-site brewery, tasting room, kitchen, and outdoor beer garden, which I'm it's not the first brew? one. It's, a, it's, yeah, all, it's a three, the three barrel. barrel though, right? yeah. yeah, it's nothing. That's what I know. Three barrels will go like that, dude. Exactly. But it'll be like for the weird one-offs, it'll be it's 12 IPAs. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, they're going to have a whole lot of stuff, but I, I think, which is fine. I've talked to a lot of people and I've said on the show several times, they need a brewery down there. Yes. They need, they, they, it just, it, it mm-hmm. that place screams out, Give me a brewery. I wish they could have asked, would have asked me a name. <laughs> yeah, That's, it, it wouldn't have been Ballast Point. Any, no, it wouldn't have been Ballast any Point. Name. And 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 uh, so <clears throat> anyway, my my problem with it is that they're not locally owned. They're owned by Constellation, Constellation Brands, exactly. which is out of Mexico, which is fine. I don't care. But they're an international brand. It does well, and they're giant. Weren't they purchased for like a billion, a billion dollars? dollars? A billion dollars. A billion dollars. So Insane. they're not craft beer, which which Disney has been really trying very hard, and they've been doing a good job about buying beers that are in California and are craft beers. Yes, which is great. Yes. Um, but Ballast Point is not craft, which is not really a solid definition, but it sort of is anyway with the Brewer Association. Um, but what I hate about the Ballast Point thing is number one, again. Out of all of the San Diego and, and SoCal breweries that we have, it, California breweries in general, just right there, Ballast Point is not American-owned. It's not a local business. And if you have the opportunity to support local businesses, which you are a local business, in your hometown, there are breweries there. Mm-hmm. Plenty of them. You, you app- Supposedly, you approach Ballast Point for doing this. I, I agree with you. 100%. And, and, and... Wait, hold on to it. Hold on to it, brain. I had an idea, and I'm, I'm losing it right now. Um, they price gouge you, uh-huh. so uh-huh. now yes. they charge $16 for a six-pack six of IPA. Pack. Yeah. A six-pack. Yeah. Where before the sale, about a year, they started jacking up their prices. eighteen ninety nine a six-pack for that Sculpin nonsense. Wait, what? Yeah, it used to be just 11 or 12 bucks. Then they jacked it up. They did this huge marketing push. And then oh, no, year, I know. There's the pineapple, the grapefruit, the banana, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, and, then, and, then, a, and then a year yeah. after that push, yeah. that's when they sold. Yeah. And then the prices started to fall again. Yes. And they made their money. They made their business on promoting craft beer right. and saying, hey, we're better than the big people. Don't drink the Budweiser. Don't drink the big beers. Um, and then they sold out to them. So in the craft beer community, there's a giant pool of ill will towards yes, them. Yes, understandable. And it just seemed, honestly, it seems very Disney to but, to price gouge and to get as much money out of their fans as possible and then not care about it the problem is is that the normal person will have no idea yeah. what yeah. we no. know and i hate that yes I, and actually, not, it bothers me so way, much but the way they're marketed 
nobody will know and they they market themselves as though they're still craft mm-hmm. so people are like oh I'm having a craft beer because the general the general population thinks that craft beer is anything that's not macro macro uh, being um, Budweiser, Budweiser Coors, Coors, Coors anything like that anything yep. besides that that is possibly an IPA or they think that that is something that's craft beer which it's not technically right um, I was having like, having this conversation with myself in my head about <laughs> what they should have another one and I don't even like stone Mm-hmm. But I would have been okay with Stone going I, in that there. That dude is – I hate I that dude. We'll talk more on the secret show about it, so I want to wrap it up a little bit. But yeah. yeah. But, but but the problem I have with this is that um, – and and Becca, Angry Becca, and I had this, this conversation because she loves Lagunitas. And I know a lot of people don't like Lagunitas. Mm-hmm. I know they're owned by Heineken as well, but she loves Lagunitas. And I said that Soli, a listener, a listener, he introduced us at, that we're hurting him when we support Big Beer. Yeah. And she finally got that. But then you see this, and it's just going to hurt even more. You're putting mm-hmm. – it, it frustrates me to know it. Yeah. We'll talk about we'll it. Talk we'll about talk about it more on the secret so show. if you go on Facebook and you go oh, to the so uh, Disneyland – here, let's see. Um, Disneyland annual pass holders, like official page, they put it on there. And I wrote a comment, and there's a lot of people who are writing back, and I'm just – I'm trying to educate people. And, and and let them know. And, and not only do they not know, but they don't Are you trying to educate care. them, or are you trying to school them? Yeah. No, no, I'm honestly trying to educate them as to like why this is a terrible choice. Disney fans and annual pass holders? No, no, Disney annual pass holders. Disneyland annual pass holders. Okay. Um, and it's terrible because you read all the comments and it's kind of what you're saying. Like the, the same passion I have for Disneyland is the same passion I have for craft beer. Yes. And the same people are kind of pissed me off in both yeah. realms. The yeah. worst thing about craft beer fans are craft beer fans. I agree. Or the worst thing about craft beer is, is craft, craft beer, beer fans. fans. And yeah. sometimes the worst thing about Disneyland is Disneyland fans. Disney fans. Yeah. Because they think that they just know everything and they don't and they don't want to accept it and they don't want to learn anything. It's the same thing with craft beer fans and it bothers me. I agree. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. You can check it out if you really want to jump in and tell me I'm stupid. I don't know. But uh, my goal is to get Disney to say, okay, we're not going to do it. We're going to go with um, Beachwood or Society Society or Evenstone or Eagle Rock or somebody better than Ballast Point, dude. We're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to stop. We're going to stop right now because uh, it's just, we'll talk about it. Dissolving into a hot mess. We're going to do the secret show here, everybody. Uh, but before we go, I do have fact of the show. In 1958, the Grand Canyon Diorama opened in Disneyland, which boasted the world's longest and largest diorama. At the dedication ceremony, a 96-year-old Hopi Indian chief called Chief... Now, forgive me if he's still alive. Chief Nevanganiwa. Nevanganiwa. Nav, uh, not going to work here anymore. <laughs> That's exactly um, what I was thinking. Chief Nevaganiwa blessed the trains that would carry visitors past the Grand Canyon set. So cool. Hope he awesome. So I want to know, wow. and I know some of those trains are still running. Did he do all of the trains? Did he do one train? And if he only did one train, I would love to know what train hmm. was blessed by the Hopi Indian chief, a 96-year-old man. Wow. That's amazing. Dope, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, all right, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you in the parks.